And I will be telephoning Jake to ascertain Is he subconscious? If he's subconscious, is he in REM sleep? If he's in REM sleep, is the subject me? Hey, Mr. Skelet. Hey there, Mr. Jake. I forgot to mention, in my haste to get you on the line, I forgot to mention that it's Monday, it's March 26th, it's 2012, and this is 10 Dozen Minutes of Jake and Mr. Skullhead. And it's the 20th anniversary of Apollo 18. Ooh. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing some of those uh, IF games that were released to commemorate the 20th anniversary of Apollo 18. <laughs> I uh, wasn't actually paying attention when Apollo 18 came out, so I'm not as freaked out by that fact. Right. That, uh... Yeah, 1992. I guess that makes sense. That, what were you doing in 1992, Mr. Skullhead? Why, I was listening to Apollo 18 and being really creeped out by it. Did you did you get it day day one? Was it a day one perch for you? I can't remember if... I think it hadn't come out yet when I got into They Might Be Giants. But it might have been. Because <clears throat> I remember like getting Flood... From because I watched Animaniacs or, or Tiny Toons and then getting like Lincoln and Miscellaneous Tea shortly thereafter. I think Apollo 18 I did get shortly after it came out. And then I, I think that was one it. of a handful of CDs that I bought that uh, actually came in a long box. Yeah, yeah. Then I listened to it in the dark by myself and I thought it was extremely dark and disturbing. Did you do it on shuffle the way you were meant to? No, I never did. And then I lost my... Or the... The CD got mangled beyond playing, and so now I have a new copy from the internet that, where fingertips is all one track. Mm. Um, I uh, I think that when you introduced me to They Might Be Giants, I it was probably '93, uh, and I did not have a CD player uh-huh. at that time. It wasn't until I discovered They Might Be Giants that I thought, you know what, this music. Sir, this music deserves digital, high-quality, high-fidelity reproduction. And there's insufficient fidelity for the quality of this music. So I got a, I got a CD player for my birthday that year. Hmm. Uh, and it was okay. And it also, uh, that stereo had a, a dual tape deck that I was excited about because I'd never had, I'd always had to borrow a, a boombox that my grandmother had with two tape decks on it <laughs> if I wanted to dub something. Uh, and, I, and it was like, finally, a dual tape deck of my own. But then after like a month of using it, it just sounded like shit for forever. Any cassette that you played just sounded super muffled. And so it was useless. Yeah. And I tried to, I, I bought one of those head cleaning tapes and it did fuck all. That's what it did. Was that after you, uh, so but, after you had made like 12 mixtapes to, to tell that girl how you feel? Yeah. And she was like, how do you feel, baby? And I was like, oh, I feel pretty good, I don't know going. Um, no. Mr. Skullhead, you knew me back then. Girl. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant girls. Mm, oh, okay. Plural. Yeah, because I, uh, I was never a lady man. <laughs> I, was, I was a lady boy. <laughs> Ladies boy? Uh, yeah, uh, it was one of the first, I think the first CD that I bought was the Star Wars soundtrack. Hmm. Dual, dual CD set. See, there we are. The first CD that I bought was the Wayne's World soundtrack. Ooh. Okay. I mean, uh, in its own way, an enduring classic. It has the Tia Carrere cover of Ballroom Blitz, which I heard prior to the original and is still my favorite. 
version of that song. Yeah, that's the one that I think of when I think of that song. It has sexy Asian lady screaming on it. And the girl in the corner gives everyone a boner, and it turns into a ballroom blitz. <laughs> yeah. That's how that goes, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah, then I, then I bought Apollo 18 shortly thereafter. Rem- uh, some of our listeners might not know about long boxes. Hmm. That's a depressing thought. So for a while, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners probably do. I don't know why I'm deluding myself into thinking that we have any new young listeners. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back in the day, uh, there was this guy named Neville Longbox, and he invented a uh, CD case that was the size of three CDs stacked up, um, you know, one in front of the other. And the rest of the space inside of it was full of cardboard, or maybe plastic, because we just didn't give a fuck about how much packaging. Uh, I mean, it was so. It was because they were trying to get uh, stores to adopt CD the CD format, right? And the stores did not have a lot of space, and so they said, "Well, look, we'll put these CDs in a box that you can put in your old shelving units for LPs," uh, ah. which which were the bottom of it couldn't be important, right? Like because you couldn't see the bottom half of it right. when it was in a rack when a record was in a rack like that. And you just get two of them side by side in the space where, I don't know, a stack of eight records would have been right. before. Couldn't get rid of those cassettes, though. Do they still sell Do they still sell new music on cassettes? If you go to, like, a Walmart now, can you get cassettes? I don't think so. I think a, a lot of... I remember reading maybe a couple of years ago that even Radio Shack was going to stop selling blank cassettes. Hmm. So, yeah. I saw some at Walgreens the other day. I see them everywhere I go. At, uh, when We've been doing a lot of our shopping at thrift stores recently, and there's always just... Like a lot of your grocery shopping. Yeah. I've also been eating a lot of polyester. But uh, everywhere... This loaf of bread from the 70s was barely used at all. Yeah. Plus it had just a warmer sound. Did that loaf of bread. But yeah, stacks and stacks of cassettes made, made me kind of wish I had a tape deck in the car. Like, mm. Man, I could get all the music I ever wanted that came out before 1992 for 50 cents a piece, or 25. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, CDs, man. I think I also, uh, I have REM's Green. I believe that I kept all the long boxes that I ever had, because huh. uh, that's, that's just the kind of pack rat that I am, is I keep everything like that. And I think they are stored with my LPs, with a handful of LPs that I own, in the significant portion of the storage in my living room that can only be used for LPs. Right. <clears throat> it's like a shelf that is three inches wide and 13 inches tall. Uh, but yeah, Apollo 18 was a great fucking album. And I would probably... I Like... What are what are you if you are the They Might Be Giants hipster supposed to say? Like you're probably supposed to say that Lincoln is your favorite album, right? That's that's their uh, Pinkerton, I suppose. Their Linkerton, um, but heard, I think Apollo eighteen is my favorite They Might Be Giants album. I've heard Lincoln and Apollo eighteen in equal measure. I think either is acceptable. I thought it was interesting having <laughs> the like They Might Be Giants hipster go from. Ugh, you probably found out about this when Flood came out, to Ugh, you probably found out about them from that cartoon to Ugh, you probably learned about them from Malcolm in the Middle and oh, I'm yeah. sure now it's Ugh, you probably listened to those K 
kids albums. Yeah, you know what? F all those people. F all those people right in their bees. That's what I say. It's also funny watching people who are now like, Ugh, you probably <clears throat> learned about them from Malcolm in the Middle. I was into them when Flood came out. Yeah. I was like, back in the day. Um, uh, you know, uh, one of the games in that Apollo 18 uh, uh, IF collection was made by KOL's own Lycra shampoo. Huh. Which one? I, uh, I don't... Uh, Dinner Bell. Uh, Dinner Bell. By... Jenny Polutna, it says on the uh, on that. Uh, I have only played. Uh, I was playing them all in order, uh, and I got completely flummoxed by I Palindrome I. I don't really understand what you're supposed to do in that game. That's pretty much um, how I was with all of them. I made mm-hmm. two or three moves, and then well, okay, so I get it. I'm playing Dig My Grave, and I've dug a grave, and I put put the body in there, and now I'm. Up in heaven with St. Peter and the angels, like maybe there'll be some. Oh giant, shit! You know. Are you supposed to wave? No, I maybe tried that's waving the so- it. maybe that's the solution. Did you try waving? I did indeed. Oh, didn't do anything. No. The trouble with these one-off short uh, interactive fiction games is that you never know if it's actually just a linear experience where there is no puzzle to solve or if you're not figuring out whatever obscure thing you're supposed to do. There were a couple of them that I played around with a little bit and then looked at the walkthrough that was provided, and if that walkthrough wasn't a joke, then Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It was... There are a lot of schools of thought on interactive A huge page with a table on it that... So, you know, you would probably need to do this, like, 30 times to recognize the pattern. Then once you recognize the pattern, then you do, you know, this... Like, there's a number of points assigned to each sign of the zodiac and a number of points to each card in a deck. And, you know, you accumulate Uh, points. Like, holy shit, would I never. Are you sure that you weren't reading uh, a walkthrough for The Fool's Errand? Because that sounds very much like a puzzle in The Fool's Errand that was fucking bullshit. That very much sounds like an actual fool's errand. Mm. Um, yeah, Apollo 18, though, man. That's good stuff. You know, I have to say, I, I saw uh, They Might Be Giants in concert, what, like two months ago? And my, my girlfriend, who had never seen them in concert before, enjoyed it very much. But I think that it was probably my least favorite They Might Be Giants show. Hmm. It, it sounded, uh, you know, it just sounded like a rock and roll show. But it was, you know, it was, it was bound to be like a rock and roll show, you know, and I just don't. Yeah, but it was bound to be because you didn't know half of the songs because you never listened to me. Sure, that's true. That is true. You are right about that. Um, man, you know what I saw that was a fucking amazing show, though? Uh, we went and saw the Magnetic Fields play in Oakland uh, two nights ago, and it was great. You saw the magnetic fields play a show. And that guy's you voice saw is super, it in super Oakland. Deep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and they sang "Came Come Back from San Francisco," and we were in San Francisco. Rad. I guess we were in Oakland. Um, but yeah, man, it was awesome. It was in it was in one of the coolest venues I've ever been in. Uh, I don't know that I would have felt that this venue was as cool if it had not if it had been more crowded. I think a, a larger crowd would have made this kind of suck. But it's a theater; it's the Fox Theater in Oakland, and you go in, and there's there's a whole bunch of bars, like individual bar stations set up with full bars and several beers on tap. Hmm. Um, so you never had to wait in line because there were twelve different lines. 
Um, there is also a, a bigger bar attached to it that apparently there's no way to get out through. It's like it's like a bar that's on the street, but when they're having a venue in the theater, uh, they they lock the outside doors, or maybe there just are no outside doors anymore. Okay. Uh, but Rudy's Can't Fail Cafe, which is next door, had set up like a little catering thing in there, so you could go in and get fairly reasonably priced food, which was good, and then you could take it back into the theater with you. Um, there were no seats, but there were there were several different tiers of general admission standing room, so you could be in the back and still see. Uh, there was apparently an upstairs that I did not explore. Hmm. There were these giant, uh, glowing-eyed Buddha statues to the left and right of the stage. Huh. Uh, anyway, it was neat. And the thing that I think that I liked, the thing, the reason that I think that this show worked so well for me, I've figured this out. If you don't have drums, the, the other people in my party disagreed with me, but I believe that if you don't have drums, then you can hear the music. And if you do have drums, then you cannot hear the music in a space where there is a guy running a mixing board for a rock show. Yeah, that's never been my experience. Mm. Anyway, it was it was just like it was not like they were just playing the exact songs off of the albums because the instrumentation was was different. It was like <clears throat> for most of the time Lemony Snicket was out there with his accordion. Hmm. And Stephen Merritt I think was mainly either playing nothing or a theremin and there was a cello and there was a mandolin and there was a guitar and there was a piano and that was it and they sang mostly songs that I knew because they sang mostly songs off of 69 love songs and the new songs that they did sing you could understand all of the words sure. and they were just they were just as good as the magnetic field songs that I knew and loved they played Reno, Dakota, and they slowed down the slowed down parts, even though they didn't have to. Well, that's nice. Which was pretty cool. You know, did, I told you about what happened with that song, right? No. Or did you read it in the liner notes? So it's like, you know, the 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 entirety of the instrumentation on that song is like a two note, like do 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 do, played on a banjo. Uh -huh. And there's there's like it's it's you know uh, probably like a fourth and a fifth in there as the song progresses but drop down uh -huh. and the fourth they lost the recording of it so what he did what he tried to do was to just slow down the tape from the earlier measures but then he was like ah oh, that's weird and nobody's gonna like the singer is not gonna be able to sing along to that but then the singer was like let me try it and they totally got it and it sounded really cool so the song just slows down every time the melody line shifts to that note huh? and it's awesome it's great because of that personality that's been injected into it. Hmm. See, it's the flaws that make things memorable and wonderful, Mr. Skullhead. Oh, that's lovely. I haven't heard enough Magnetic Zeros, I feel. Magnetic Fields? Magnetic Fields. I've heard some of uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, but not the Magnetic Fields. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. That seems like a thing you would, an order that you would yell to, uh, to your ensign. But sir, your, if I do uh, that, they'll turn into ones. <laughs> no, like on your on your space aircraft carrier, right? There are your your kamikaze uh, fleet is a bunch of magnetic zeros. Ah, and you have to right? sharpen the tips of them so that they'll actually puncture the hull of your of the spaceship next door. Yeah, so they'll get in the gas tank before they blow up. Right, the gas tank. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of which, Edward, uh, 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 reinforce the hull of the gas tank. <laughs> 
and Katie Bar the Door. So I don't know if Apollo 18 is my favorite They Might Be Giants album. It, uh, Lincoln is probably close. Apollo 18 is, has some of my favorite songs on it, but like, I never really liked The Statue Got Me High. And I kind of really? still, I kind of still don't. Yeah. My Evil Twin, eh. Yeah, I I actually like I think the statue got me high was one of my early favorites. Hmm. Like it's just it's got that wall of sound thing going, you know? Right. It's, I like it. It does manage to be to sound like it has a full band behind it without sounding like some of the more modern Flansbergy tracks. Right. Uh, have think- you met my new friend Flansbergy tracks? Oh, hello Flans. This is his brother Hans Bergy tracks. I, John Henry is probably my favorite. Huh, okay. Well, maybe the, the first among several equals. All right. Uh, you know, it's so hard. It's so, like, there are, there, there are just so many gems. There are so many gems in every jewel case. That's why they call them jewel cases. Because they were full of gems. Mm-hmm. They were truly outrageous. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. Oh, boy. I remember my grandmother uh, objecting to the song "Dead" oh. on the on the on the basis of the phrase "dancing on the casket" was disrespectful. Yeah. I remember that you played uh, "I'll Sink Manhattan" for your dad, and he he reacted very negatively. If I remember, more of a like, what like what the hell is this crap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him telling me he was like he was uh, he could not believe that this had happened. He was he had borrowed the car that I normally used to go to work because his truck was in the shop or something, and he was he was going to lunch with a buddy of his, and he was like, "Ah, oh, God, check out this horrible crap that my son listens to," and he popped in the the tape, and his coworker was like, "Ah, oh, this they might be giants. They're great." <laughs> and my dad was like, "What the fuck?" Was probably what he said. I don't know. Um. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And then another coworker of his got, and this is, this is ridiculous. After making fun of me for listening to They Might Be Giants, three or four years later, he got super into the Beat Farmers. Who are the Beat Farmers? They're, they're like this weird bluegrass novelty act. Hmm. It's, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. The one They Might Be Giant song that he liked was Lucky Ball and Chain. He was like, oh, this sounds like some, this sounds like some decent 70s country. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It, I would agree. Yeah. That's also a pretty good song. But that's the thing to like about They Might Be Giants. Like, they, they do like to hop genres. Yeah, they can, play, they can play a convincing song in any genre. Yeah. I yeah, like just, it. Just like Ween. Sure, yeah. I, I I definitely believe that that's true. I think that you don't. I think you were being sarcastic. No, I I, I believe that Ween can play a, can competently play a song, a song in any genre, and so I'm still and, just trying to understand why I don't like them. Oh, huh. Well, that's interesting. So I think they're, I mean, you, they're very good musicians lyrically. You I find don't the think as the clever. content sort of relatively tasteless, yeah. as I understand well, it, like, right? Lyrically, I just don't think they're as clever and. I think, for the most part, you know a They Might Be Giant song is a They Might Be Giant song. Like There's some ineffable molecule in there that doesn't get changed when they change from genre to genre, and Ween, not so much. Hmm. 
I just I tend to go. Oh, this is a this is a weird fucking song. It kind of sounds like Prince, I guess. Oh, that was Ween. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Ween more so than they might be giants. The vocals are all over the place. Yeah. Right. Like I think they are. They like they might be giants are two guys that sing in in turn on various songs, but they, you know, I mean they they are more like the Homestar Runner guys, two guys in terms of the number of voices that they sing in. Right. Then then they might be giants. And they, they, I, although I guess I don't know. There's absolutely Bill's mood, which is in kind of a funny voice. Well, yeah, and I like the silly voices that they sing in. So <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 20 years, huh? So when That Sergeant, means that our... Do they do a 20-year high school reunion, or is it a 25 that they do? That'll probably be a 20-year. Hmm. Are you going to go? I might. Yeah. It might be... It'll be a good, a good excuse to come back to uh, Arizona, I guess. Yeah. You can hang out with me. It might be kind of depressing to see, like, even coming to a KOL meet and seeing a KOLer that I hadn't seen for like five years is a kind of harsh mirror to look into like oh man Player X is really looking old like oh I'm probably looking pretty old too I don't know man I think you're you're you're, you're, uh, you're timeless you've got um, a timeless look I'm evergreen uh, you still sporting that big full beard yeah not for much longer I don't think ow I like it. I can't. I can't keep it for the summer. I would go mad. Too hot. Yeah. It would just be. It would be dewy. It would be a dewy beard all the time. Yeah. It would like my mustache would get sweaty and smell like sweat, and that would be gross. Yeah. Huh. Nah, I'm not much of an upper lip sweater, I guess. You don't sweat at all. Uh, I sweat sometimes. Um, if I if I ride a bike wearing a backpack. I will I will get a backpack shaped stain on my shirt <laughs> of sweat. So that proves that I do sweat. I don't know what happens to it. Maybe I sweat and the sweat is like, let's be free like the birds. Gotcha. And it just flies away. <sighs> That's what sweat does. Uh let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else that We uh we went and had breakfast with Biohazard Man, which was nice. Uh, it's a, a KOLer that I had known in game for many many years, but never met. Um, and it was cool. Uh, I had an omelet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you been up to? What we do since we got home. Uh, the wife's been sick, so for several days, our house has just been kind of a house of sickness. Uh, was your kid sick? Are you sick? He wasn't. Ollie didn't get super sick, which is good, but the Jess and I had two days where just both of us were kind of out, and we just had to take turns pulling it together enough to parent for a little bit. Yeah, because so most had, of your parenting uh, techniques involve coughing and vomiting. Yeah, no vomiting, just uh, lots of coughing and fevers and fun stuff. That sucks. I mean, I guess you were around some other little kids. Little that that little uh, I don't know what do you call it critical mass of disease cauldrons. Yeah, she probably got it from substitute teaching. Like right when we got back, she went on a sub job at the, at the tuberculosis academy. Yep. 
What would they teach at the tuber the tuberculosis academy? Do you think? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to fix your how to do it yourself fixing of your tubercules? Yeah, is that what tuberculosis means? I guess Dude, so. I don't know. It would suck if your tubercules were all fucked up. That sounds like it'd be complicated yeah. to fix. That seems like it would have something to do with potatoes. Uh, okay. Tubers, you know. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm gonna have to do two radio shows two days in a row because we're gonna we're gonna have uh, CD Moyer on, and he's leaving on Wednesday too early to record. So what we're gonna do? It's gonna be crazy. Gonna have to either save some of these questions back or try and have a whole lot of real interesting shit happen between now and tomorrow. I'm guessing we can pull that off. I bet we can make some interesting shit happen between now and tomorrow. What do you think, Mr. Skullhead? I think we should just talk about the Hunger Games for our entire show, and then we'll be ready. Oh, yeah. to, you will have everything is left over for you for the next show. Uh, both both uh, my girlfriend and C.D. Moyer read the first book of the Hunger, Ga- the Hunger Games uh, like five days ago, four yeah. days ago. Uh, but I have not uh, yet looked at it. I'm still reading my history of id software. Hmm. Which is one of the worst written. It's a good book made of really bad sentences. Uh-huh. Like it's it's just. Uh, it seems like it was it was edited to make it worse. Huh. But you know, it's stories about dudes making video games in the nineties, twenty years ago. Um. What do you think about the Hunger Games? Have you read the Hunger Games? Yeah, I've read them all, and uh, I thought it was. It's competently written and interestingly plotted and the characters are good it's like I hear a I hear a butt coming I don't know I didn't like it as much as I liked say like the Harry Potter series but mm-hmm. it's certainly not on the Twilight level of things so sure somewhere like close to Harry Potter on the continuum of, of like young adult lit Surprisingly, it seems to be a, a, a page yeah. turner, at least. Like yeah, it's, it uh, really is. It's, it's all written in first person present tense, so it just kind of zips or, zips along and surprisingly violent and bleak for a kids book. First person present tense. So like I I pick up the bow and arrow and then I shoot a dude in the face. <laughs> yep. And he bleeds on me. Yes. That seems like an awkward tense to write a whole book in. It works. It really, uh, it keeps you in the action. You you have to infer a lot of what's happening around the character, and it was interesting watching the movie because they oh, like there's not even, there's not an it, so it is first person in that there is no omniscient narrator. Yeah, and it's entirely in this in the main character's voice. Huh. Oh yes, and the the it was interesting watching the movie because that that of course doesn't have that vantage point. And thank God they didn't do a whole shit ton of voiceover or something, but seeing the book play out outside of her head, you go, oh, that that character was actually really nice. She just thought he was mean, and clearly this thing is what's going on, even though she thought it was something else. And you kinda... I heard a lot of really terrible things about the movie. Huh. It wasn't bad. It wasn't perfect. So I guess, like, in internet land, it's mm. terrible. Yeah, it know. did as good a job uh, as like the people complaining about it I've seen have wanted it to be like an R-rated straight adaptation of everything in the book. And I mean, from the preview, it did look like there would be some juicy titties to be had. Exactly. 
But th- that was just never going to happen, you know? They're not going to take a... They're going to pay, like, $20 million for a, the rights to a story and then make some movie that only 20 people are going to go see. Um, do... So, you're saying that the movie reveals dif- different information than the book by way of having a default omniscient narrator. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how things play when you're not inside her head. I don't think it changed anything. Who wrote those... Whose ideas were those that were revealed? Was... Did the author okay the screenplay? How does that even work? I don't know if she had any screenwriting credit. She came from television. So she had already been writing... Like in the sense that all children who grow up in the 80s come from television or... Or in the sense that the girl from Poltergeist came from television. Right. I guess she did write the screenplay with two other dudes. Oh. So. That's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I mean, people were upset that there wasn't enough gore and the violence wasn't more explicit and they didn't spend enough time with aspect A or B of the movie and, like, the movie's not the book. It's a good adaptation of it and it's, it doesn't have to be a photocopy. The criticism that I've seen is just that it it did not hold up as a movie. Huh. Right? Oh, I that thought it absolutely not, did. <clears throat> not that it was a unfaithful adaptation, but that it just wasn't a very good movie. Huh. I would disagree with that. What does Rotten Tomatoes say? I think you Man, should I've started using Chrome and it is both awesome and frustrating. Hmm. What about it is frustrating? Well, <clears throat> so... I am perpetually trying to forward search by hitting slash, and that doesn't do anything. Yeah, so that I, I absolutely So I like strokes miss. that way. Yeah. Uh, and also, I am perpetually trying to reload frames by right-clicking and hammering HR, uh, which what that does is opens a print preview. Huh. So I keep doing that and then having to scan that for the button to close it. I wonder um, if there's a so Chrome yeah. plugin that... Adds the yeah, just forward make, make this work like Firefox. I, I'm assuming it, it seems sort of frustratingly unconfigurable. It's like they didn't want the options uh, thing to be scary, and so they didn't do a lot of stuff on it. Also, the download bar that pops up on the bottom just really fucks up the layout of everything. Uh-huh. And it always opens because I'm like constantly downloading a little thing here or there. Right, and so it opens without me really noticing it, and then I'm like, "Why is this web page off?" Oh, right, this fucking download bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a post from the one of the Google developers of Chrome in their bug tracker from 2010 that says they're going to add a feature to uh, disable that. Huh. So, uh, still waiting on that feature. Um. <clears throat> So you saw the saw the Hunger Games and you liked it. You've been sick. What else? What else has been going on? Oh, I made a wall. One out in of your the, basement. Yeah, one out of the four that I need to make in the basement. And put that up. I got to work with a so, framing nailer, which is a device designed to shoot a like three inch long nail through a two by four and into another two by four with such force that the head of the nail is buried like. A good quarter inch in. Is it pneumatic? So that thing is fun. Yeah, it takes four shots before it depletes the reservoir of my air compressor, and it has to charge up mm. again. 
And the one time uh, did that you, I did you uh, uh, rent or borrow or did you buy this thing? I came from uh, Jess has a great uncle that has a garage full of tools that he never uses. So uh-huh. the one time that I was a little bit off and I guess I was shooting through a piece of wood that had a hole in it from a knot or something and I missed the 2x4 I was shooting into and the thing, the nail went all the way through the wood, kind of dinged my thumbnail and flew across the room yeah. like this this could injure me a whole lot but it's so cool <clears throat> I was, I was having a lot of fun when we put together my chicken coop. Uh, I used one of those nail guns that takes 22 uh, cartridges without the bullet in them <laughs> as the thing that drives the nail in. So oh, it's yeah, like literally a nail gun. Yeah. So you push it against the thing and pull the trigger on this little strip of, of ammo and it fires it through. Like, it was firing nails through a two by four into a cinder block and yeah. adhere the, the two by fours to the cinder block, which was great. That hurt though. Had some recoil. Hmm. You had to, you had to really lean into it to stop it from popping out and to make sure the nail actually got countersunk. No, oh, sure. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, you fr- like, so you, you took down old walls and replaced them with new walls. You moved them. You, yeah, we're what? not gonna. Some of the walls are gonna get moved, but mostly it's just taking down paneling and putting up drywall. So what? What? Why does that require framing? The drywall has to have something to stick to. Oh, the paneling was not attached to a, a regular balloon frame. Yeah, the paneling was just attached directly to the cinder block, and that's mm. why it was falling out. So the the frame that I'm building is glued to the floor and screwed into the ceiling and not really touching the cinder block. Okay. And so you're making your room a little bit smaller. Yes, because it wished that it was a little bit smaller. <clears throat> uh, well, cool. Uh, are you, are you, is your plan to like have like a fully finished basement? Yeah, like uh, it's half of it's finished now and I would like to bring it out. Like the laundry room is going to be its own little room that's not doesn't have a ceiling on it but the rest of it yeah uh what so right now you go into the basement you walk through a scary area and then you walk through a door into the finished part right what i would like it to be is you walk down into the finished part and then if you go through a door you go into the scary part where the laundry is i see so by it doesn't have a ceiling you mean it's just looking through onto the floor joists right okay not that like it goes like the you have a two-story laundry room and a and a horrifying pit trap yeah, and a and a skylight so in the laundry room you can have lots of natural light <laughs> cool this is just the central shaft of the house it's our laundry shaft so that way from wherever you are in the house you can always throw a, an article of dirty clothing directly into the washing machine right that would be great and then I mean, I, says, I have to have a series uh, of pneumatic tubes to pull that off. Then if anybody says that I should shut my mouth, I can say I'm just talking about shaft. Sure. Indeed. <clears throat> oh, man. So, you used a, a pneumatic nail gun. To, I, uh, I, I have not done anything, since I got my air compressor, I have not done anything that really taxed it. All I've done is, like, occasionally... Uh, 
like if I air up eight car tires, then that will deplete the tank. Uh, but mostly what I use lot? it for is uh, the bicycle tires, and so that doesn't take <laughs> long at all. It's kind of a hassle because you have to drain the air compressor every time, and the draining it takes longer than the using it. Right, right. And it's really loud. Like you pull the safety valve, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I returned one because I thought it was broken, but it turned out I just didn't understand how it worked because <laughs> the one worked, it had the exact same problem. And I was like, God damn it! The first one, it was screwed up, and I went to Amazon, and it was like, Oh yeah, this valve was broken when it showed up, and like in, in like a handful of the reviews, like you know, so I had to get another one. But it wasn't broken. It's just a valve that you open by turning it to the right and tightening it against the thing that it's screwed into, and that you close by turning it to the left until air stops coming out. Right. But before it actually comes out. And then you'll never know. Yeah, if it's open, you just never know, because the air that's coming into it is just not getting compressed, but it's coming out slowly enough that you don't notice. Yeah, that's obnoxious, and I don't know why that needs to be the way that that thing works. Hmm. I assume safety is it safety yeah oh well should we uh, start answering some questions from this here forum thread sure I say this here forum thread but I don't have it purple shrimp says what's brown and sticky Mm. Uh, parrot Mm. Uh, freakyphobic444 says can lunch sacks be multi-usable Uh, let's see. Why are lunch sacks not multi-usable? I'm going to do a search for sack. I think, uh, I think it is just to preserve the joke. Uh, let me see how that code works. Uh, item ID. I had it in front of me. What did I say? 4890. I'll do a forward search for 4890. Uh, let's see. No, uh, I guess it's just using the, yeah, it totally, it totally could. It totally could. I'll, uh, I will make that happen. It's not uh, simple enough to do while I'm on the air, but, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Erich says, any thoughts on the monster data idea that comes up every now and again? An item where, when used in fights or whatever, will collect its data, hit points, attacks, defense, element, phylum to be shown in future fights. Whether it's plausible is a different story, but it'd be fun for people to collect and mimic a functionality that you need Mafia for otherwise. I do really like that idea, and I've been trying to figure out a way to do it that it that is worthy of it. Hmm. Um, and I have I have an idea. I need to I need to talk to you guys about this at the next meeting. <clears throat> Uh, two, any new thoughts to an in-game daily list, as already mentioned here? The amount of things to keep track of per day has gotten pretty overwhelming, and I can seem and can seem more so for someone just joining. Uh, I think what you're not realizing is that the list of things that you have to do every day for someone just joining is extremely, extremely small. Yeah. Um, and the danger with making that list, and the thing, the, the, every time I think about that list, I think, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Uh, but then I start seeing the things that people want on that list, and it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Um, one way in which I could imagine doing it is if the only way anything ever got put on that list is by you doing it once. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which wouldn't be a big deal, right? It would just be like a, a storing a thing. Uh, and then, yeah. Then there wouldn't be anything that you would see and you'd be like, what the fuck is this? I kind of don't like... Although this, because this is a fun social thing, is probably not a big deal, but I kind of don't like that in the options menu, in the right-click menu things, there's all these, like, you go there, and on your third turn, you look at the options menu, and you look at chat, and then you look at this thing, and it's like, what the fuck is a cream pie? What, you know, Hmm. what is a brick? What does singing a carol do? That's weird. Challenge to Alice's army. The fuck is that? Send soiled toilet paper. That's not actually what that says. That'd be a great April item of the month. Is shitty toilet paper. Yeah. And then we can say, not only is this toilet paper of low quality, it's covered in excrement. Haha. Oh. Uh, yeah. Jude says, Hi, Jick. I've meandered through the game once, done most of the quests, gone to all the zones, read the jokes. I ascended once, and it looks like there are only a couple zones I haven't unlocked. I've tried to avoid spoilers where I could, but since it looks like it'll be a couple months doing chores for the Council of Loathing to get to the last handful of Nemesis zones, Zodiac zones, and sea maps, I've been looking them over on the wiki. I think I'm at a point where I've done it all and will be petering out of the game. Not that it hasn't been a fun time, but the collectible Mr. Store items and the number of accounts old enough to divide fractions make KOL look like a game that's made to grab players and keep them around. So I'm curious if you could share what you, the designers, want players at various, or no, want players to want at various stages of their KOL participation. The first time through, there are all the jokes and puzzles, but what are the players' goals the second time playing through the game? What do you want to stay intriguing after a year, slash five years, slash a decade? Have you specifically added anything into the game to promote these motives? I'd be interested to hear any thoughts you have on what makes the game engaging for long-term players from the design end, and to say thanks for the fun and hilarious game. Uh, well, so some people are going to get bitten by the, oh, every time I ascend, it makes me more powerful for my next run through. Like, that just perpetual sort of new game plus thing is a, a draw for the long term for a certain kind of player. Um, I mean, I think if even a significant portion of the people who play the game make it through one Ascension run, then that's fine, right? Like, not every game is meant to capture every player for years. Right. And, you know, I mean, so like the, the, the hound dog is a thing that I could imagine somebody in you in your position sticking around for right like the goal with lucre was for there to be a thing that if you weren't really playing that you could pop on spend a few turns make some progress every day and that would keep you coming back so that you would see the announcements and see oh we just added a new thing or we just changed this thing so that you would maybe want to go check that out right like i would like for the long-term appeal to be involvement in an ever-evolving community and game that is you know like a fun place to hang out right like the arc of an MMO is always like it's a game and then it turns into a chat room and sometimes it stays a chat room for a really long time and then sometimes something will happen in the game that makes people start playing it again you know like you your enthusiasm just gets renewed like that's that's what happens yeah I don't know what do you think Mr. Skullhead. Yeah, I was looking at that and pondering. And I do think that it's the ascension mechanic, really. Either it grabs you or it doesn't. The idea of it's not so much seeing new content as doing the same content with a different edge to it. 
Yeah. And I think we'd be remiss if we were just chasing after making sure people were always seeing new content all the time. Yeah. So, I don't know. And I'm comfortable with this guy having gone through it twice, who maybe in six months will get the email and come back and play something new for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how I would approach... I mean, that's how I approach Twilight Heroes. Like, I will play the shit out of it for, like, a couple weeks, and then I will leave for six months or a year, and then I will come back and play the shit out of it for a couple weeks, and, you know, that's... It's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Roepi writes, World events have always fascinated me. Players always enjoy reminiscing about them, and they really give a sense of flavor to the game. I imagine you guys have probably learned a lot of do's and don'ts over the 37-year estimated history of the kingdom. Looking back on old events, can you reimagine one in the how-you-do-it-now style? Uh, let's look at this link that this guy opened. Uh, so, 2004. Protests over the slaughter of not yetis lead to yeti depopulation. Yeah, that was an event uh, that was trying to uh, reduce the amount of meat being farmed. Hmm. Uh, initial conflict with the Penguin Mafia. Uh, that was after... Uh, well, that's weird. The Mafia showed up right before Black Sunday. Huh. I guess that was when we were like... Yeah, I don't know. Black Sunday happened because of a change to the meat field in the player table, which maybe... Why would I have changed that to allow you to have more meat if we were in the process of doing stuff to take away people's meat? I don't know. Early events largely just took... You know, there was either, like, the huge cannon, say, which was right after Black Sunday, like, how... Let's have a leaderboard for people who waste the most stuff. Right? And it wasn't, like... There wasn't anything fun about giving meat to the council. Right, so we probably would have sold something for it so there'd be a souvenir instead of just a leaderboard position, right? I mean, that's what we would do if we were doing it now. Sure. I don't, I don't think we would do the same thing. It's like, here's a leaderboard for wasting meat, right? Because I, I think, I don't know, I feel like people would see through that, but people aren't any shrewder now than they used to be. They probably saw through it back then. Yeah, uh, the Yeti thing. The Yeti thing was cool. Uh, one thing that we learned from the Yeti naming contest was never to again do a thing. Which we ended up doing this again, but uh, don't do something that requires you to curate potentially tens of thousands of player submissions of text. Yeah. Um, that was pretty bad. I do think it's funny that we went through that whole process and independently arrived at the winner, like the three three or four of us actually going through it, all of these submissions, and we ended up with Werebear. <laughs> and there were accusations flying, and we said, yeah, no, we just... I honestly... We, he, but I can't, tell, I can't hey. tell if you're joking or not. No, I'm not joking. Riff, Riff was the one that won the Yeti naming contest. Oh. I think you're thinking of something else. I thought it was Werebear. No, it was Riff. Was that was that then before Riff started working for us? Because I'm pretty sure I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't have made any sense that way. But we had met. We had met him. Yeah. I had met him. You might have been in Flagstaff. He no, you were there. You'd met him. I think that was after the summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And after that, that uh, fateful game of blank white cards, and then Ascension was implemented. I would never do anything like that now. Yeah. Or NS13, man. Um, when was the, so that, that Penguin Mafia stuff, was that the, uh, the mob hits thing? Uh-huh. Did we do that in 2004? Perhaps. That was 
super fucking unpopular. I don't know that it was super unpopular. It was certainly unpopular with a handful of extremely vocal people who said that it was like being raped. Mm -hmm. Did anybody actually say that it was like being raped? Seriously? I think maybe somebody did. Yeah, they did. They said it was allowing someone to interact with you when you've specifically opted out of interaction was a violation akin to being violated. It was tantamount. It was a violation tantamount to violation. Yes. Paramount. It was a violation by a catamount. Exactly. Uh, So then Columbus Day was... uh, We talked about doing the plague, and then we thought it would be funny. I think Xenophobe thought it would be funny if Columbus Day was the injection of the plague via those blankets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that one was fun. We haven't done anything really like that since. That one I really, really liked. Because how did it work? Like, you you could go and gather stuff for Doc Galactic and he would give you a thing that let you cure somebody else, but it wasn't a real cure. It would just, it would just put it in remission. I don't remember how it works. And then you could wear those glasses that would make it so you just couldn't see it. Yeah. Anymore. Well, just the way that it spread was pretty novel. Yeah, it's, it's, I think about stuff like that sometimes, and it's like, it is, I, I really like describing, like, it, that mechanism sounds really cool, but the way that it played out, it happened so fast that I don't know that it was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to feel, like, I don't know how I would approach trying to do the same thing now. Huh. I would probably make it spread more sporadically and slower so that it, rather than just like, you know, most people, their experience of it was they logged off and then they logged back on the next day and everybody had it. Right. Right. Um, I liked that it came on slowly and then it took a while. We're like, whoa, is that, that's weird. Is my text a slightly lighter shade than everybody else's? It was neat seeing people discover it. Yeah, but then like it's five minutes after the first person notices it that they analyze it in Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> this is fake. You can tell by the pixels. They said. Anyway, I thought that was cool. I mean, that was just fun. It didn't have a goal. Was that um, one of the first ones that we did? That wasn't. A, was it specifically addressing a problem? Uh, yeah, uh, but then in the middle of it, White Wednesday happened. Right. And then we ended up going into the zombie thing. That was ambitious. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, we had. The, the reason that we were able to do so much with that the 28 days later thing was that we had it took like 36 hours for the restore to run from the backup uh-huh. and so there was just nothing we could do for 36 hours so we just like the game was down so all we had was like nervous energy and shame <laughs> and the, the the drive to try to make it up to people and never underestimate the twin motivators of nervous anxiety and shame mm-hmm. I mean that's basically responsible for my entire career yep oh uh, speaking of uh, this this period of time uh, I, I do want to say uh, just in case just in case I don't show up for uh, next next week's radio show uh, we're apparently going to meet the gun run uh, mm. in a couple of days. <laughs> Interesting. 
apparently the gun run is uh, so the reason that we're going to meet the gun run is because the gun run is now a guy who works for Twitch TV which is like the gaming branch of Justin TV and is apparently just super awesome huh. and uh, he, he is uh, we're, we're hanging out with the Idle Thumbs guys again and they were like hey we should bring the gun run with us and we're like okay because he did like a live stream thing for them and is apparently awesome so it's gonna be fun though I what I would like to do is I would like to meet him and then ask him like a thousand questions because I think that would be funny but I also don't want to embarrass him. It, the weird thing about having done this for nine years is that we're going to keep encountering people who were like 13 when they started interacting with us. Right. And now they're old enough to drink. And man, would I not want to go. I would not want to, especially if there were like permanent records of how obnoxious that I was as a 12 or 13 year old yeah, available for anyone to Google. I would just not like, I think I would just move to a new country. If I don't know if I were 22 now, I would move to a new country. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if, if I knew where to find the, the sysadmin of the gem trade BBS that we used to be on where I, gave his wife a whole bunch of shit for posting ads for his jewelry business in his forums on his website uh-huh. I, I think I would probably not contact that guy I remember that guy being kind of a dick though see I remember him being kind of a dick but then I think about all the shit that I used to do it's like huh I used to go into the like whatever what was the like forums on a whole bunch of topics that various BBSs could access. Uh, like Fidonet? I don't know. But, uh, like, I would go into the Nine Inch Nails one and, and just talk about how shitty Nine Inch Nails was, and believing that all I had to do was just tell these people that it's shitty, and then they would understand, and then they would stop liking it. And when I see that behavior now, it's like, oh my god, that guy's such a dick. Oh, I used to be that guy, that's who you are when you're starting out. Yeah, like yeah. I'm really glad that the... I did not have much of a voice when I was younger. Although, I mean, I look back on stuff that I did when I was 34 with just such shame and revulsion that. So I'm 34 now. In two years, I have that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not even two years. I was trying. I was. I'm only 35, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm only 35, right? It's 2012 and you haven't had your birthday yet. Yeah, I hope I didn't get into my late 30s yet without noticing. Yeah, you're just you're still in your uh, mid 30s. Uh, right. Uh, so then, yeah, the first crimbo of any uh, of any description was the striking elves. They were pretty striking, if I do say so myself. Uh, yeah, they were lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. That set a precedent. Uh, that Crimbo 2005, of course, being the best Crimbo of all time. Uh, and then it was the following year that Crimbo matched up with Halloween. And so, well, that was six. That was six years ago. Linnea, the Scream Queen, Queen was six years ago. <coughs> the, the Observatory happened uh, in the middle of that year. Mm. That one was. That one was interesting uh, because that was the first time that our estimates about what people would do were an order of magnitude off. Yeah. Um, so then we're like, oh, uh, 
shit. Let's do that again, but with 10 times as much stuff. So that one was, that one was weird. Um, the interface, I remember being sort of goofy. Uh, Xenophobe did a... It was one of those things where he got interested in a thing, and so he did way more work than the result of the work was worth, where the moons and the sun would actually trace a realistic path over time through the field of view of the observatory. Wow. Um, and, and you could catch them and look at them. And I think some people did, but they were in a different place all the time. <laughs> like every hour. And, and then that code that advanced them ran for years because we forgot to get rid of it. Uh, we forgot to turn off the cron job that would make the moons and the sun slowly creep across the the visible area. Yeah, that was that was a weird little thing that was going on there. Oh uh, yeah, and then the comet hit Hanks, and then that. So yeah, that grimacite comet's been there for a really long time. Uh, is it still there? Actually, is the is the grim grimacite site still a thing? I don't think so. No, I think I got rid of it. Okay, cool. No more of that. Uh, the penguins, yeah, you know, people like them, but I'm trying to think of any ideas about the penguins now, and I don't have any ideas about the penguins now. I think they were good when they started. Yeah. Crimbleween uh, was fun, as I recall. Uh, you know, I, like, looking at that, that was kind of the way we, that sort of set the precedent for the way that we do things now. Uh-huh. Right? Um... The later on, so the Lame Observatory turned into. I don't think he has the pirate revamp. So that no longer the the ocean thing doesn't look like it's in here uh, as a world event. I thought of that as a world event, uh, but I guess Colorado? people didn't think it was a world event because it stuck around. Mm-hmm. The when the pirate revamp happened and the ocean exploring thing, and you know maybe it shouldn't have stuck around. Because right now, that's a just a goofy, confusing thing that you find hmm. that seems like it should be something important, but it's really not. Yeah, I don't know. This ended up being a, a nice little hike down memory lane that we're not even halfway done with yet. What do you say we move on? Uh, we'll save some of that for the next show. Yeah, I mean, after, after these, uh, it gets more and more like, you know... What, like, what have you learned from this event in 2011 that changes the way that, you know, how would you do that if you if you knew then what you knew now? It's like, ah, oh, we basically did at that point. Yeah. Like, we, we got more consistent. We got, I mean, you know, Biggs dig, notwithstanding. That was just a, that was just a miscalculation on my part, on my part. It was enjoyable uh, for the, come on, you guys. Of course this isn't all of the thing. Of course these guys know better than that bullshit. Like, Yep, yeah. of course there is. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yes, man, people were mean <laughs> about that. Dars says, Jick, are you familiar with the Magic the Gathering player profiles? Mark Rosewater calls them Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. Names given to three ways of looking at and playing the game. Timmy wants to experience something, Johnny wants to challenge himself, and Spike wants to win. Uh, yeah, I, I really like... Uh, I, I mean, so I can unabashedly say... I fucking love Mark Rosewater. Like, that dude is just one of the guys that is in my top 
five guys who, if he writes something, I will read it and enjoy it list. Um, this is a, to compare it to KOL jargon with magic. You could say that dick stabbers are spikes, guys who do 100% teleportitis runs are Johnny's, and you, sir, are a Timmy. You just want to have fun and make cool stuff. Yeah, I can never remember what the actual thing is that, that, that the, those names correspond to. Um, but I know that one is, you know, one is very optimization focused. One of them wants like big explosions and stuff. And is that the experience something guy? I think it is. Um, and you know, that is a, it's a good perspective to keep, right? Like they say like why nobody would ever play this card. It's just like a really mana inefficient high number monster that is it doesn't have anything interesting about it and what they will point out is that like no what's interesting about it is that it's big right it's big and the numbers are big and if you get it out there it's gonna be like man i'm attacking you with this huge fucking big thing and it's big right Right. and it's like not the best thing to play and it's not i mean it's like this very naive in a way a naive approach to it right like i remember when doc galactic was teaching me to play magic uh, like my senior year of high school, right after my senior year of high school. I looked through the cards, and I was like, I pulled out the craw worm, and I was like, why wouldn't you just have nothing but this in there? And then he pointed out, well, it costs a whole lot to cast. So if you had nothing but that in there, you wouldn't be able to have anything in play until like the eighth turn, and you would probably have gotten killed by then by somebody with a mix of like early game stuff and late game stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. There's a lot going on in this little deck of cards. I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars and hundreds of hours of my life playing this game. Did I ever try to get you into Magic the Gathering? I don't think you ever even... I don't think we ever even played a game with each other. I think the first game of Magic I played was at... Oh, at Gen Con. At Gen Con, yeah. Yeah, when I when I got us those uh, those weird starter decks and tried to yeah, that, 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 was, that was cool. I thought it was I neat, guess but remember, the time like, when I was playing a lot of Magic was the time when you and I like there was I feel like like maybe a two year period where we didn't see each other yeah. at all, and I think that was that thing was entirely encapsulated. Magic was entirely encapsulated in that two year period. Now I remember like when you started getting into it, but you were always the one with a job and I was the one with a like three dollar a week allowance. Okay. So it just seemed like those decks might as well have cost a hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, I guess that's true. See you should have been working at the movie theater like me. Yeah. Getting that wearing a tie for five twenty five an hour. Hmm. Was it, it was 525 even, or was it like 475? Well, no. Minimum which was 475, but when I got promoted to assistant manager, I started uh, making 525 an hour. You got yourself I had to wear a, a big fat raise. Yeah. Hey, do you want to uh, take a little musical interlude? I do. I could, use a, I could use a beer and to offload my last beer. All right. We'll see you in about uh, 15 minutes, y'all. And we're back. Wow. Yeah, we are. I just made it downstairs just in time. Sorry, I should have let you know that I was ready before, so you didn't have to ask me if I was ready right as she's actual size was fading out. Wow, that was Good uh, callback to earlier in the show when uh, we were talking about Apollo 18, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
for, for those of you listening in podcast form, which is to say, essentially all of you, uh, Mr. Scullet played some Apollo 18 during the break on the shout casting, the shout cast that we do. On the thing that, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Boy. Well, you sound way worse uh, in terms of uh, Skype than you did beforehand. Maybe that maybe the They Might Be Giants broke your internet. Maybe my voice is a little tinnier than it used to be. Could be. Maybe. Did you, uh, did you drink a solution of tin? I drank a Snapple, which was just an apple with tin in it. Oh, okay. Uh, Daytour Sojet says, Did I catch a few weeks ago that Scully likes fun period question mark if so i saw them live my first concert earlier this month and they were awesome do you know what that means yeah that's a band called, called fun, fun period, period question mark well no the question mark is part of the sentence okay i wasn't yeah. sure if that was a typo or if it was like one of those oh i heard that scully likes the the <laughs> i heard scully likes to talk talk yeah they're a great band they're the band that used to be the format so they went from one not easily Googleable name to another. Okay. And now they're all kinds of blown up because they have a hit single that's been on like the Super Bowl and Glee and shit. And so now these all these new guys are fans and I'm like, whatever, noobs. You aren't fans of the format. You're not real fans. What's the song that I would know by the format? Uh Cause a Scene. Yeah. What's the hook? Uh you know me, or you think you do, you just don't seem to see. Been waiting all this time to be something I can't define, so let's cause a scene. Clap your hands and stomp your feet, or something. Yeah, something. I gotta get myself over me. I think the one time I played it for you, you were like, wow, I'm surprised that you're into this kind of pop sounding crap, dude. It's like, well, whatever, dude. <coughs> yeah. Every time you call me, every time I call you dude, you turn around and say dude sarcastically. Like, if you were somebody's dad in an 80s movie. And I say, I'll bet that was tubular, dude. So, uh, they oh. brought up this question on uh, one of the Jordan Jesse Goes that I listened to a few months ago. Uh, our dads, I mean, maybe not your dad, um, uh, there was the idea of like the dad comedy, like Animal House and Caddyshack were for our generation the movies that our dads were into. Right. And wondering like what what are those movies going to be like now when we are dads? When you are dads, and I probably should be dads if I was getting my adult shit together. So are we talking movies that are like that have tits in them, kinda? Like a raucous comedy, what? like a, a kind of a raunchy comedy. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, it just like the sort of canonical, like you know, like everybody's dad, like Dire Straits, right? Say right, like what are the what are the things like that for for dads now? They suggested like maybe Billy Madison and that kind of uh, show, which I didn't. I wasn't buying for the Bud Light drinking dads. Maybe so. I'd say like. Pulp Fiction seems like a movie that would be similar to The Godfather for the previous... for, like, our generation. When yeah, we were kids. okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I would think more... I... God, I'm trying to come up with an alternative for Adam Sandler comedies, because I desperately want there to be one. 
Yeah, uh, can't hardly wait. You know, like the forty-year-old virgin, maybe. Like the Apatows. Okay, so stuff. like the like the the, the Apatows. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of blowing uh, my mind to think that <clears throat> for, like, for me, the Beatles was stuff that my parents listened to. And, like, the stuff my grandparents listened to was, like, the, the Glenn Miller band. You know, like, orchestras. In the mood. You know, Gershwin and Tin Pan Alley and shit. So, to kids now, the Beatles is grandparents' music. So, it's to right. them, it's as far removed as those, like, full orchestra songs were to us. And what is parents' music now? Probably Pearl Jam? Yeah, Pearl Jam and Nirvana. You know, shit that's 20 years old. <laughs> Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Apollo 18. Uh-huh. Uh, the Downward Spiral. Uh-huh. That'd be creepy. You, go down, you, like, go down to the basement where your dad's listening to the Downward Spiral. <laughs> just weeping and masturbating just a little. Yeah, how do you react? Like, when our is anything that our kids are gonna listen to lyrically gonna shock us when we grew up with "I want to fuck you like an animal"? Oh, I don't know. I bet I bet they come up with a way. Yeah, I think it'll just shock us in terms of it being just just damn noise. I want to not even. I want to literally fuck an animal. Yeah. Uh, You know what I'm worried about is that our kids are going to shock us with stuff that is just stupid. Uh-huh. And we're going to... We're just going to be like, why? Like, this is just such a transparent abuse of the audience's emotions. Like, how how are you falling for this? Like, that is the worry that I have about evaluating the, the like, culture tastes of somebody that I'm going to be responsible for. Although I guess there's a band that... Uh our friend Mac, Matt Alex's kid, who's 13, likes to listen to, and Jesus Christ, is it terrible. It's called Blood on the Dance Floor, and it's like two guys dressed up as kind of anime fancy men, and... Okay, so dapper, dapper gentlemen? Well, like, big spiky hair, and shoulder spikes, and a bunch of eyeliner, and... And it... The okay. lyrics, like, uh, my fashion is fresh to death. I'll hit you harder than meth. I'll leave you gasping for breath. I'm trying to find the one that, like, her favorite song is something about, like, getting head and fucking the shit and. Fucking the yeah. shit, huh? Not only is the music kind of objectively terrible, but it's like. It's like ICP level lyrics. Yeah. And it's all this, like, candy-coated rave kind of culture, and then the lyrics. Talk your shit, watch you get hit, save the drama for your mama, what's up with that awful gossip, don't be mad because my hair is so rad, life is good up in my hood. Bitches get stitches, they end up in ditches, so get the riches. Huh. Now imagine that to a a beat that's, like, Ace of Bass sped up. <laughs> All right. Well, now now we know what to be afraid of. Yeah, and boy, is it just objectively terrible. I'm trying to find the oh, Candyland. That's what it was. Hmm. Let me show you my game. I put these shoes to shame. These rhymes that I write make you want to fuck all night. When we take off our clothes, she sucks me till it snows. I'll fuck her face so hard she is my wild card. Huh. 
Welcome to so Canada. So it's really moon. I'll it's really like moon June spoon, except like yeah, fuck truck Duck. cunt. Welcome to Candyland. I'll split your ass in two, so take me by my hand to lick it up and slide it down. You'll want to fuck me twice. I'll be your gingerbread man. First time naughty, second time nice. So this is like, this is the 12-year-old music that she's listening to. And to me, that's a little shocking. See, I I feel like my parents would not have allowed me to listen to that music when I was 12 years old. Yeah. It, it, It is also a different style of parenting that those two are practicing, which is we trust you not to be fucked up in the head so you can listen to whatever you want to. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have... Uh, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, you wouldn't be able to stop a kid from doing it now, right? Like, the, the, I guess with the current level of access to just every horror that mankind is capable of producing... Right. And combined with the innate curiosity of a 12-year-old, like, you just have to switch modes now. You have to be, like, preparing them to deal with what they're finding rather than stopping them from finding it. Yeah. To an extent that, to an extent that like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you could have said the same thing when we were kids, but like, no, you know, kids are going to find out about sex, but we're going to find out about sex by our one friend has a playboy. Right. right? Not, not two girls, one cup. Yeah. That's the thing. Like the 12 year olds being porn connoisseurs. Is really kind of gives you pause. I mean, I don't think that it's going to ruin people. I don't think it's actually a serious problem. It's just like a weird thing to have to think about. I wonder. Like, I I have no idea what it's going to be like in a world where all of the adults have been watching porn since they were like ten. Yeah, I mean, do do you think that the typical like sky is falling? Like, oh, they're just they're not going to enjoy having sex with actual people because it'll never live up to the porn or is it like they all of their sex will just be crazy because they all grew up watching porn which that seems alright I don't know It there has already been at least one study that found a higher instancy of erectile dysfunction in dudes in their 20s because they're used huh. to like watch 30 seconds of this porn not doing it for you, switch to another one, switch to another one. And so the actual, like, having sex with someone for minutes at a time was not enough stimulation. <laughs> yeah, I find that sort of hard to believe. Haha. <laughs> as, a, as a serious uh, societal problem. You know, I think the kids are all right. Yeah, having, having an ADD dick is going to be interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, you can always just, like, deal with the repercussions of saying like oh sorry can I watch some porn while we're having sex <laughs> right right I mean you just do that and then she'll be like sure that'd be awesome because I'm also bored with you yeah so let's Give try shit. some anal I guess there are more people are yeah. trying anal than ever before well I mean cool. that we know of it's weird being BMFDM is a drug against war yeah it's see a... that's the kind of rhymes that's the kind of rhymes that the cultural paragons in our day yeah would spit it's weird. Oh, being the KMFDM at least like, had the had the excuse of not being native English speakers, <laughs> right? When they sang about Dirk Commissar being in town. Oh, wait, that, that was the other guy. Never mind. Anyway, um, you kept yeah. you kept trying to talk, and I kept accidentally inter- interrupting you because of Skype and being a dick. <laughs> it, it's weird being somebody who like I don't have any problem with porn, and I don't I don't really believe in sin and like moral corruption. 
really? And yet still being kind of weirded out by the thought of, like, somebody with my libido at age 12 or 13 having access to unlimited porn and, like, forming ideas about women and sex based on that. Strange. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, I feel like... I don't know. You know, I mean, so the, the, the porn that we had access to when we were kids was, like, you know, pictures of maybe women, and maybe there were two people having sex, but maybe not. You right. know? And... I am sure that there were people saying that, like, well, in my day, we jerked off to statues at the museum, you know, and having access to photographs of naked women is 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 corrupting our youth. Way or just more saying, like, it used, to be. it used to be that I could that get off like, to the Sears catalog, in the underwear section. Yeah, but you know what? Sure. I think a fourteen-year-old could probably still, if oh, no yeah, other absolutely. option was available. I'm not sure that anybody's getting jaded. At that age, yeah. I mean, I don't know. think I, you know. I don't think anybody's incapable of 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 flying completely solo. You know, it's just that like it's yeah. not as fun. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, there was always there was always just the understanding that like the same as a character in any movie, like this is not a person. This is like an abstraction of a person with a purpose with an expressive purpose in mind right and right it like i don't think that do people i mean i guess maybe stupid people think of a character in a movie and like genuinely hold them up as a role model even if they are just you know deliberately and obviously really one-dimensional so maybe you're right i guess i I mean i guess i always i I do get angry at women for assuming that men can't tell the difference between a stripper and someone who's not a stripper. Or, like, even further yeah. down the gradation, like, a stripper in a strip club and a, and anyone who's not in a strip club. <laughs> like, I've heard the whole, you know, like, this demoralizes, degrades women and you're just going to think that all women should take their clothes off for you at any point. And I say, no, I want most women to take my clothes off for me at any point. And they're close to... But I know that it's the stripper's job to do that, and so she's doing her job, and you know I don't come away with any preconceived notions about how she's going to behave when she's not at work. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, but it's the same, like, it's the same problem that you run into with, like, the arguments about words and stuff, you know, where it's yeah. like... You can tell the difference, but maybe there are people who can't, and they're the ones that you have to worry about anyway. You know, they're they're the ones that you had to worry about before this conversation started, and they still are. You know, and, it, and so it, it's just like it's this weird thing where it's like you can't take. I remember a guy telling me this. I was talking to I don't know. It was like a friend of an ex girlfriend's parents who was. This really smart dude, and he was, you know, I was probably seventy, and he was a doctor. And I remember having a conversation with him where I was just telling him about something that I was like, you know, I don't understand why, that, like, whatever. We were just talking about something, and I don't remember what it was. And he pointed out, he was like, you know, you can't, 
when you are weird, you can't use yourself as an example, right? Yeah. Like you can't take the way that you feel about something and assume that everybody feels that way about it because like the fact that you're even having this conversation in the first place means that you're thinking about stuff to an extent far greater than the average person is going to in this case. And like it, it so I don't think that that argument about like now strip clubs contribute to overall objectification of women in society is invalid just because it doesn't do it for you or for me. Well, not for you. It does for me. Okay. Um, you, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine like what is the impact of it? And I think, well, it wouldn't be a big deal. Like just, you know, have ready access to crazy porn. I think that's not a big deal. It wouldn't be a big deal for me. <laughs> I would have been, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I like, I feel like it got to the point in our early 20s when it was basically like no longer a hard thing to find right and you know yeah. the, the, I don't consider my teenage years to be any more formative than my 20s and I don't know if that's unusual uh, maybe it is I mean maybe just like psychologically like biologically it is you were after your sexual peak when you started walking, watching porn and walking I guess that's to porn yeah that sucks I feel like the further I get on this side of my sexual peak the more like ready access to sex I have so <laughs> it's like what a waste youth is wasted on the young am I right nah the kids these days uh, let's try to uh, get through the rest of this forum thread in these 20 minutes that we got any chance says Atheos of making the Pokemon band-aids multi-usable yes I did so during the break uh, Wax says I know you don't often take suggestions which makes me sad what but I would love it if on the Feast of Boris during an Avatar Boris run you had people come up and try to eat you. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? We all, we always take suggestions. And a question, how long does it usually take to revamp a zone? For example, Hidden Temple. So the Hidden Temple is a terrible uh, example of this because I, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of days and I'm going to revamp the Hidden Temple. And it only took a couple of days. But that couple of days was the result of looking at notes that I had put together and ideas that I had compiled over literally like probably four years, literally probably about four years. Right. Um, so it's not, you could not arbitrarily take a thing that was like the previous hidden temple and make it into a thing like the new hidden temple in two days of work. It doesn't really work that way. Right, so that's why it's really hard. With with both, I feel like we have this like sort of double estimation problem because with with software projects, it's really difficult to project how long they're going to take. Just this is sort of like an endemic problem to the industry, and you know there are a lot of guys who you can pay to come and talk to you about why that is, and I don't know that any of them really know. Right, uh, and also it's impossible to tell how long a creative venture is going to take especially when like us you don't have any deadlines right so we're not going to do something unless we have a good idea for it and sometimes the good idea just pops out when you need it and sometimes it's not there and so you have to put the whole thing away and come back to it six months later and see if the good idea has popped its head out yet right so it's yeah that's if it did not take any time to decide what was going to go into the zone and if it did not take any time to do the writing 
And if it did not take any time to do the art, uh, I am guessing that just just the work, the logistical stuff that has to be done to go from nothing to the new hidden temple, is probably twelve hours. But I don't think that you could do it in twelve contiguous hours because you would be too tired. Right. So, so it's like a couple of days plus however long it takes to come up with what you're doing in the first place, which is. It's like the first half of the idea is the extremely easy part, but then fleshing out the idea is the extremely hard part. Yeah. All right. So describing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember talking on the radio a few, like this was probably six months ago where I was like, yeah, I've been thinking. I've been thinking about monsters for the new hidden temple, and I'm going to do a stone temple pirate and a bah relief sheep, and you guys groaned at the puns, and then I sort of didn't come up with a third monster until I just stared at the screen for an hour after I had put in the first two and I still don't think that it's very good right. but your writing was really good so that made up for the central conceit being kind of yeah. dumb that was pretty funny the uh, yeah. the Craven yeah, Carbon Raven kind of was fu- great it's a kind of funny that I feel like is a bad it's like a it's like a cop out to just do like oh the, this thing is a joke about the word that it's made of right like, I was pleased to turn it into a starvin' Craven Carvin' Raven. That made me happy. Yeah. All right. In one of the mis- the hit texts, it gnaws on you ravenously. Because it's a starving. Is starving is starving a word? Uh, starving. Oh, starving. Okay. Yeah. There's starving Marvin. Uh, Urban Dictionary says that starving means what happens when I no what I looked up the word starving and it took me to the definition of. Pop it, lock it, beat it, bam. What happens when I play UFC, also known as fucking rape. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Missionary. You're so- That's great. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry sorry for the complicated uh, answer to the simple question, but it is a, it is a, doesn't have a simple answer. Uh, Thaumasiotes says... The existence of Rando Black Box sort of implies that the five daily copies are slightly more core to the game than many item of the month functions. That is to say, they've graduated to a defined effect that things can have rather than being a unique quirk of some quirky item. The sixth copy bothers me a little. By the time four copy items of the month have been released, will you get eight copies if you own all four? I, I don't know. I mean, it's... You know, like... The, the thing that we carved into that Play-Doh was obviously not carved in stone, right? Yeah. And it was just like a like, it wasn't like a like a really serious like about you know we did it a two weeks after the thing was in the store because we were like ah yeah sure let's do it like let's do something to just be a little kinder to the people who've given us more money over time, which doesn't yeah you know I mean it wasn't I don't know how big of a deal that is I don't think it really matters to super bleeding edge play because you're just not going to pull both of them mm-hmm. and if it makes it slightly more fun for people who are going a little slower then that just seems like it's you know win-win because who cares like they're not hurting anything by having an extra thing and by the time four copy items of the month have been released maybe it will be six years from now right it didn't t- and we'll figure it out some other way to make it not a big deal uh, let's see 
In the future, says Lord Vichelot, when KOL eventually comes to an end, would you be willing to answer questions spades have about things like the ultra-rare mechanics, some unspaded items, etc., or would you prefer that they remain secret forevermore, sort of like a magician choosing to keep his trick secret? I mean, once it didn't matter, I mean, I wouldn't care. Like, come interview me after KOL ends. Whatever. Um... Let's see some other people talking and stuff. Darzil says, stat gain on scaling monsters is based on the monster's attack value, so most advantageous for Moxie classes is they get a monster with low health based on muscle but high stat gain. Muscle classes get lower stat gain but more health to hit through. Mist classes get lower stat gain and an easy fight. Any possibility of trying to normalize difficulty of an encounter and stat gain for scaling monsters between the classes as scaling monsters are becoming more common? Or indeed just stat gain as difficulty is harder to tune? Yeah, I you know, I could imagine starting to base stat gain on the average of power and defense instead of just power. I don't know what that would actually change. I'm, I'm worried that it would have some impact on something that I'm not thinking through, but it does kind of make more sense. Because in general, unless it's a weird scaling monster, you're... I mean, I guess that just reduces the stat gains across the board from scaling monsters. Although not across the board. No, it doesn't. It just normalizes them across the classes. I don't know. Anyway, what are the objections? What are the objections to me making it so stat gain is not based on the attack power, but on the average of the attack power and the defense? Because mm. they both go up with monster level, so that doesn't change. Most of the monsters in the game... Well, okay, so there's a weird math that we do that reduces it after the fact so the monsters in the game that have like in the spindler are 10 power 10 defense are actually 10 power 9 defense once you fight them hmm yeah I don't know I, that do, that does bug me though some of the some of the implications of the way that the scaling works does some of some of the implications does bother me. Me all. Thumbs up, that. Um, yeah. Playwolf says, looks like we figured out what was up with them cave bears. Monster level side of it is a really interesting mechanic. I'd like to be able to say that if this would, or I'd like to be able to say if this would be a good gallery fix or not, but there are too many what ifs. I'll try to sum up some of the issues, though. One, in order to be effective, the player would need a large amount of monster level and the ability to handle that monster level in run. That might punish newer players. <sighs> They might have been able to handle a 50-monster-level normal combat in the zone, but 250-monster-level knights would kill them, so they wouldn't be able to run, a, run any monster level in that zone. Well, if they were going to that zone, it would be to seek out that encounter, right? If that was the thing. And, and I... I don't know how I feel about that. The gallery, two has a 300-stat non-combat and a 30-stat non-combat with current heights. You can't control which one you get, so getting mostly 300s or mostly 30s creates huge RNG swing in how long you spend there. The other zones have a 250 and a skippable 150. Yeah, I'm beginning to think that the thing to do there is just to make it so you can skip the knights non-combat. Yeah, as much as that's like an artificial deal. Uh, three, the conservatory used to drop the key on the first turn after you read about it. This was changed back when the gallery was the only leveling zone to take 8 to 11 turns in one of the lowest level areas in the game. Now muscle classes are the only ones that have to deal with this turn sink. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of just making the conservatory a higher level zone than it is doesn't hurt anybody because I think you have to go through higher level zones than it to make it through that progression. So it's, it's kind of incongruous. 
So that's a thing. Uh, the Kalana Cave Bears is a really cool mechanic in a slightly tucked away place, but the gallery would still be the main leveling area of all muscle classes, so it might need a few tweaks to be worthwhile, worthwhile for both new and, uh, and old players. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, thank you, White Wolf. Uh, I don't know how good, uh, good a radio that was, but... Yeah. Can we have, says the Erosion Seeker, multi-selection in the wizard check. Clicking 90 Tobikos is painful without Mafia. Uh, yeah, uh, that was a hastily constructed interface and could probably use some love. Also, in the Pearly Gates, instead of having uh, Arvis, uh, Borowski, can they simply be the last two people to ascend? No, because that loses the joke. I mean... I could write multiple versions of that so you didn't see the exact same one every time, but huh. it's funny that there's somebody whose name is the first letter of your name A-A-R-V-S I think that's funny Stumpsmiggy says, you already talked about it, but I was looking at the thread about the K-Bears because I love the mechanic It is scary though when I saw the information about the meat Uh, yeah, that we, we took care of that uh, also, what are your plans for the company in the future? Clearly, you're working on Word Realms. Word Realms. When word that realms. is done, are you going to start another game or bring the words realm, Word Realms people over to KOL? Well, we're working on the single-player Word Realms and then hoping to make an MMO of it, which has an actual sort of business model and whatnot, you know, which is fine. I hope we do it. But yeah, man. Every day. Every day we're making games. Making games is what we do. Yep. While we're shuffling, we make games. Mm-hmm. Master Plus says, hello, I just had this idea regarding the main map and its nine segments. How about adding a go north, south, east, west link or button on the nearby planes, etc. that lead to other segments of the main map? Many people seem to love the jump across the tracks thing at the right, wrong side of the tracks, and we really need to have more of those. Yeah, if it wasn't just, like, arrows, right? It's It would not be as fun to jump across the tracks if it wasn't the tracks that you were clicking on. Like, I think that's that fun is driven as much by the content as it is by the mechanics. We should just have the ability to type like interactive fiction style commands into the the chat to move you around the map. Oh yeah, yeah. Slash go north should do it. Yeah, or we could just put. Uh, we could decide that they. We could have a world event where players work together to unearth a three by three grid of railroad tracks <laughs> uh, that encompass the entire map. Uh, Beastmith says, if you considered a challenge path which disallowed using perm cross-class skills but still allowed a player to keep all the class-specific and class-neutral skills, like a seal clubber could use perm seal clubber skills and also slimy sinews and torso awareness, but could not use shield bud or pasta mastery or advanced cocktail crafting. Uh, yeah, that seems like a that seems like a good December path one of these days. We'd probably have to do the leaderboards differently. Uh, Chilled says, what facial hair are you fine gentlemen rocking these days? I have some mutton chops, which either require worship or a slap to my face. Uh, he's still, Scully's still rocking the full beard, and I'm I'm doing my uh, Abe Lincoln plus goatee, where I just shave the patchy parts of my cheeks. Right. And that's it. And I like it. I look at myself in the mirror, and I think, I'm going to listen to what that guy says. As opposed to, uh, who's that dumb kid? <laughs> that's what I you know, uh, weird as far as game me, stuff goes, uh, say again? What's weird for me with the full beard is that if I just have a goatee, it looks really terrible. But somehow adding the little, like, cheek area and uh, and sideburn makes it look pretty awesome. I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't, I don't 
like the way that I look with a goatee either. I think in general, when I see a person with a goatee, I think, oh, there's that asshole with a goatee. <laughs> so sorry, listeners who have goatees, but, you know, maybe you look like an asshole. As far as game stuff goes, you may have caught the discussion on clan whitelisting policies, but I'd be interested to hear how you feel about it from your end. I know Jix said that he likes the whitelist exists, but how about how the how about how the clan system works when you don't have a whitelist? I don't. I have not read that thread. Hmm. Uh, once you've discussed that, a clan of mine posted in that thread suggesting that being accepted into a clan should automatically whitelist you to it, and that whitelist should only be dropped if you're booted. What do you think of that form of that idea? Got a better version of it? I don't. I don't know, man. That that seems weird. That seems like a thing that you wouldn't necessarily want. Um, I mean, you still need to be able to edit the whitelist anyway so that you can, like, deal with permissions after the fact and stuff like that. I don't... Do you have a sense of... Have you looked at that thread? Do you know what people's issues are with the way that it works? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, let's, uh... Now we've only got five minutes. Let's finish this thread. Yeah, Sleepy Worm, I'm sorry that we missed you, too, at the Pinball Museum. That's cool. Um, da, da, da. True Calc says, How come the Goblin King drops are often impossible to equip right away when the main payoff is increased main stat, not enough moxie to equip muscle hat, not enough mist to equip moxie accessory, and not enough quest advancement like the fledges... Or not quest advancement like the fledges of the war outfit? Dude, I don't know. We wrote that shit years ago. Uh, B, do hermit permits still have a point beyond confusing newbies? Can we at least see his inventory without a permit? Might help new people who get stuck trying to find sweet rims and can't even see where they are. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like we probably wouldn't do that anymore. Um, Ultimate Chaos. I'm actually going to save this question for the next show. That is a timely decision. Yeah. You want to save all these questions for the next show? Yeah, Are we close enough to the end of this that we could uh, that we could duck out now? Yeah, I think we should leave with dignity and let Tixie right. take over on time for a change. So, okay. Tipsy's up next. Stick around for that if you're listening live, and if you're among all of the people who aren't listening live, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.